Hi, my name is Tracy Carpenter and I'm a member with Restored Church. If you're new, welcome. We are glad that you tuned in. We believe that the church is a family and not just an event, and so we would love to connect with you. Uh, there are a few ways that you can do that. The first being um, through our website, which is www.restoredtemecula.church, um, and then click on contact. We also have a mobile app that you can get in the Apple or the Android app stores, and through that app you can see past um, messages, upcoming events, and other ways for us to connect. Um, so with all that said, we hope you enjoy the message. All right, if we haven't met yet, my name is Tom. I have the privilege of providing leadership to this church as the lead pastor on eldership with my wife, Ebony, and the incomparable Herrick and Heather Berga. So if we haven't met yet, I just, nothing weird. I just want to say hi, and it's good to see your face, and hopefully we can exchange stories and get to know each other better. Um, this morning, we are going to continue on in this new series we started last Sunday called Be Ready. Um, and that can kind of sound uh, intense, and it's really not meant to be intense, but I think there's, a, there's an urgency component to it, but also we're people who are grounded in the faith that we have in Jesus, the unchanging one, uh, the one who cannot die, <laughs> uh, the, 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 the eternal son of God, the glorious father, the ever-present Holy Spirit. Like we're grounded in that, so we don't ever have to be anxious or worried people. Um, the heart behind this series has really been like trying to discern God's voice. What is he saying? What is he doing? What is he inviting us into uh, as a community, as a, as, as a church family? In our unique context, in this space, in this time, these people, this place. And so the tagline is, the harvest is plentiful. And we talked about last week, I see some new faces, so stoked you're here. Just so you know, today's going to be like a part two from last week. Okay, so I'm going to kind of try to bring us up to speed a little bit, just kind of fill in some of the gaps so that you're not totally like, whoa, what's happening here? Um, we talked about how we're in this really unique season, I guess you'd call it, um, as a society, both as a planet, as a nation, as a state, as a community, as a, each individual households. Every single person on the planet has experienced really unique and I would argue very traumatic suffering the last 18 months. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you live. The, the, the last 18 months, the, the, the pain and the suffering and the affliction has touched you personally in a specific way. And you're not alone in that. All of humanity has shared in that. And we talked about how the, the kind of shared suffering and the shared affliction of the entire planet, each person has experienced it uniquely. And that there's nothing like suffering to kind of till or to plow the soil of the human heart and to really kind of open it up to make us aware of how truly needy and fragile our lives really are, okay? When things are going great, you feel invincible. It's like why, why when you're a teenager, you feel like, that, like you just do all these crazy, silly, ridiculous things because you're not thinking, you feel invincible. When things are going great, we feel that way. When suffering enters into the equation, we realize, whoa, life is actually really fragile, I'm actually really needy. As much as I want to think that I'm a self-reliant person, I'm actually not. I rely on all sorts of things outside of myself, namely God himself, even to provide air in my lungs, let alone, you know, our practical needs. We talked about Joseph of Arimathea opportunities. You guys remember this from last week? We talked about how the man that took Jesus's dead body off the cross and prepared him for burial, his name was Joseph of Arimathea. And I share with you how I really feel like God was telling me that this is a Joseph of Arimathea season 
where we care for the body of Christ and its brokenness and we prepare it for something, not for its ultimate like demise and burial, but for its resurrection, for the, things that, for the ways that God's gonna breathe new life and revive his people, the body, in a beautiful way. So we talked about Joseph of Arimathea opportunities inside the body to meet the needs that we've all suffered and they're gonna pop up and we gotta be ready for that, right? And we also talked about the flip side of that same coin and that is the harvesting opportunities, outside of the body of Christ, right? To bring people into God's kingdom, to love them into God's kingdom. Why? Because they're, they're coming to grips with very real suffering, affliction, needs in their own life. And are we going to be people who are ready for both of those? Essentially, to love and care the body and to love and care the world. You with me in this? That's what we talked about last week. If you missed last week's message, like I cannot encourage you enough, please, 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 Go back and listen to it. I don't typically plug sermons, but when there's really important ones for the direction of our community and the direction of our church, I like to go, hey, like, listen, because there's going to be some things that if you weren't here last week, there's going to be some gaps. This is like a part two, like a sequel, okay? You're not going to be completely lost, don't worry, but please, please go back and listen if you haven't already, okay? Because it lays a foundation of where we're headed, not just through this series, but through this season as a church. All right, I want to start things off really quickly with asking you a question that I think is a really important question that if you don't have the answer to this question, you're going to kind of meander and dare I say you might be lost in life. And the question is this, do you know your calling? Get, come, up, come up with an answer in your mind. Do you know your calling? If you do, if you're a person who's sitting there going, okay, I'm, I'm identifying, I feel like I know my calling, it's, I have it in the forefront of my mind. If you are that person, if you, if you think you know, are you positive you're right? Man, I feel like I've asked myself that question. What's my calling? Since I was a little kid. I tend to be the kind of person who thinks at like 30,000 feet. Uh, it, can, it can be really, really great, but it can also kind of get me into trouble sometimes. But I mean, even before I was a Christian, guys, like, I had this really strong desire to know my place in the world. Like I wanted to know my place. And then I became a Christian, right? God invaded my life and he rescued me from my sin and he revealed his love to me. And then I spent years post-conversion trying, still trying to figure that out now through Christian lenses, through biblical lenses, right? And over time, God in his faithfulness, he began to reveal something to me that absolutely changed my life. I'm talking like massively formative, massively shifting. Okay, it changed my life. It was one of those moments in life. Have you ever had one of those where you almost feel like you come to a crossroads or, or, or a whole new reality opens up to you? It was on these life-changing moments that like kind of changes everything. And it's this, that God does not primarily call us to tasks doing things. He does not primarily call us to places or jobs or even roles. All of those things are really important, friends, okay? They're, they're, they're certainly part of the equation and a big part of the equation, but the primary call on your life is not a what. The primary call in your life is a who. You see, God primarily calls us to people, so hear me, the what of your calling, as important as it is, the what of your calling always serves the who. The, the, the what of your calling is super important, but it's secondary to what? 
The Who, absolutely. And not the band, although the band's great. Bubba O'Reilly, fantastic song, okay? God primarily calls us to people, okay? Can you just, if, if you tune me out for the rest of the talk, get that in your brain, man. God primarily calls us to people. Why? Because it's what he cares about most. It's what he cares about most, okay? So last Sunday, we talked about, you know, be ready. We talked about the what, right? Be ready for what? The opportunities to minister when they come, right? Minister with what we talked about? With the gospel of Jesus. That's our, that's our weapon. That's our healing ointment to apply on areas of broken. It's like, it's all we have, is the good news of who God is and what he's done in and through the person of Jesus Christ and what that means for us in every single area of our life. Not compartmentalized, but literally every single thing, your job, your emotional state, your relationships, you name it. That, 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 that what we minister to each other with and to those outside of the churches with the gospel, okay? So last week, talked about be ready for what? Ministry opportunities with the gospel this morning. We're talking about the who, to be ready for who. So go ahead and grab your Bible. We're going to start today in 2 Timothy chapter 4. You can go ahead and flip there, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Um, if you don't have a Bible or you'd prefer to look on the screen, the guys are going to throw the words up there for us. I'll be in the Christian Standard Bible, that translation. I typically preach out of the Christian Standard Bible. It's like it's very, very faithful to the original context, but still leaves some dynamic room, which is wonderful and helpful at times. So as you're flipping there, 2 Timothy chapter 4, I'm going to pray for us. Okay, will you join me in prayer? Spirit, we invite you. Like, we just, right now, all of us, from the deepest part of our being, come into alignment with you. We say, we want you. We want you. Show us Jesus. Point us to to Jesus, his beauty, his glory, his holiness, his strength, his power, his love. Father, thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for being so faithful to us. Um, I really want to, I want to communicate effectively and well this morning, so would you help me? Would you, I don't want to do anything that gets in the way of what you want to communicate. So Lord, bless us, speak to us, show us, teach us, enlighten us. We need you. We look to you and we know that you love to meet us in these spaces. It's who you are. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Okay, this will be familiar from last week, but I want to put it in front of you again. 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Let's read it. This is Paul writing to his son in the faith, Timothy. He says, I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing in his kingdom, here it is, here's the charge, preach the word, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the person of Jesus, the logos of Jesus, the word became flesh. Preach Jesus. Preach the good news of who he is and what he's done. Preach the word. And then what does it say? Be ready. In season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and teaching. Okay, last week we talked about how this isn't just, this doesn't just apply to pastors and church leaders and, you know, varsity Christians. This is all disciples of Jesus. Jesus gives the command, go and preach the gospel to all the nations. It's, it's a thing for every disciple, right? So again, be ready to preach the gospel, okay? And if you remember, we talked about how you can rehearse the gospel with yourself, but you cannot preach the gospel to yourself, 
I'm going to say that again. You can rehearse it, all of its glory and all of its beauty and all of its intricacies and how it, it literally is, it applies to every area of your life. You can rehearse that, but you cannot preach it to yourself, okay? And there's power, friends. Hear me. There's power in the preaching of the gospel of Jesus. When it comes at you, instead of just you rehearsing it, there's power in that. Paul writes about how he's not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power for salvation for all who believe. You got to hear it first, okay? Preaching the gospel. And the gospel is what? We talk about this quite often, but I wanna, I'm going to run through this really, really quickly. The gospel is simple. It's God loves me or God loves you, okay? God, almighty God, creator of all things, perfect, holy, wonderful. There's no one like him. That God loves the sinner me. The one who rejects him and fails him and chooses things other than him and really like hurts people that he dearly loves through my sin. So I don't just sin against him, I sin against others that he loves. That God loves me and he proved it through the perfect life of Jesus in my place that I could never live, that gets credited to me when I trust in it and the death of Jesus in my place to cover and atone for every single one of my sins, past, present, future. The gospel is that God loves me. God loves you, okay? So Paul's kind of point here, and what he's kind of getting at is this idea of preach the gospel. Be ready to preach it, okay? And the idea here is to kind of be fluent in the realities and the implications of the gospel, okay? What it means for every single circumstance, for every single situation in your life, and the lives of the people around you. This idea of being gospel fluent. Herrick's going to talk a little bit more about this in depth next week. I encourage you to come and enjoy that. Be ready to preach the gospel, okay? Let's go flip over to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. We're going to read verses 35 through 38. It'll be up here. Again, this is kind of review. I want to set up our time and get you kind of on, on track with us, from, kind of re- refresh you from last Sunday, because going there's going to be implications for each of us here. Verse 35 in chapter 9 of Matthew says this. Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, that's the gospel, and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt what? Compassion for them. Because they were distressed and dejected. That's like they were suffering, they were afflicted, they were sad, they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. All right. Jesus describes some specific conditions, okay? That the conditions for the abundant harvest are this this suffering, this affliction, this distress, okay? The very conditions that every person on earth is experiencing right now. The disorientation, the frustration, the anger, the hurt, all the things. Every person uniquely suffering on the planet, okay? And kind of the whole heartbeat behind this, guys, I want to put this in front of you again. I really believe God's preparing us for something. He's preparing you for something. I believe there's going to be incredible harvest opportunities to love and care for the people currently outside of God's flock that don't know the love of Jesus. Like to literally 
love them into the kingdom just like Jesus loved you and I into the kingdom. I love that he models that for us. That's what the harvest imagery in, in scripture is all about. It's this picture of spiritual rescue, right? Of people gathered into the joy of salvation instead of the devastation of eternal judgment for sin. That'll bring you up to speed, okay? Today's focus is on the who. The who. Remember, we're, primary call, we're primarily called to people. Your primary calling in life is people. And there's an important principle that relates to calling that Paul, the Apostle Paul, he writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, okay? I want you to flip there. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we're gonna read verses 12 through 14. But here, you're gonna see this. Paul is referencing his call, okay? He's called as an, as an apostle. And he's called as an apostle to these specific Christians in the city of Corinth that he's writing to, all right? Check this out. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 12, it says, for we, the we there is Paul and Timothy, okay? For we don't dare classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves, but in measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves to themselves, they lack understanding. Listen to this. We, however, will not boast. He's talking about boasting about his calling, right? His ministry, essentially. We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but listen to this but according to the measure of the area of ministry. So uh, the NIV says sphere of ministry. Okay, get the picture. Um, beyond measure, but according to the measure of the area of ministry that God has, what does it say? Assigned to us, which reaches even to you. He's describing he's, that it reaches even to these Christians. Verse 14, for we are not overextending ourselves as if we had not reached to you, or reached you, since we have come to you with the gospel of Christ. All right. I want to talk to you about this idea of area of ministry that Paul's talking about in this passage, okay? Anybody here know what ministry is? If you had to come up with a definition right now, if I was like, hey, I'll pay $10,000 if you come up here and give the proper definition of ministry, you guys would all be running to the microphone. What is ministry? Ministry isn't necessarily religious. It can be but it isn't necessarily religious, okay? To minister is to attend to the needs of someone. So ministry, it involves a specific area of focus where you attend to the needs of someone. Let me give you an example. Anybody familiar with like world government, okay? Uh, different governments all around the world, they have various ministry positions and they have nothing to do with religion. Let's use, uh, let's use the United Kingdom, right? Let's use the United Kingdom as a case study. They have it, what's called a prime minister. His name's Boris Johnson. Google him, he has epic hair, okay? <clears throat> Boris Johnson is currently the prime minister of the United Kingdom, okay? He's the head of government. He works directly with royalty, with the king or the queen. And one of the things that they do is they select other specialized ministers that make up their cabinet, so we're Americans, we have American government, right? So we have a president and a vice president and the president will pick his cabinet, you know, his secretary of defense and his, all these different diplomats and all, he's, he builds out his cabinet. Same thing's true there. So the prime minister will select other ministers, right? To build out his cabinet. So there's a defense minister. Guess what that one's about? The defense minister, their area of ministry is it focuses on defending the nation, and then you have, you know, a foreign minister. 
and their area of focus of their ministry is relationships with other countries. And then you have, you know, the immigration minister and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Are you tracking with me? Yeah. Yeah? Okay, great. Did you know that all Christians are ministers? Every single one. All Christians have a specific area of ministry, hear me, that God himself has called them to. Talk about a high calling, man. Let me ask you again. Do you know your calling? Will you throw up that first slide? Slide one, area of ministry. Take a load, take a load of this, okay? I want to walk through this really, really quickly. In the center there, you're going to have your core calling. All right, and again, what's our, what are we primarily called to? People. I want to hear you say this. Talk to me. People. Yes, we're primarily called to people. So your core calling. Okay, first and foremost, this should go without saying, we're all called to God, <laughs> right? To, to enjoy him, to obey him, right? To, to know him, to live life with him. John 15, right? To, to abide in him, to remain in him, to stay with him. It's a life of fellowship with him at all times, doing everything that you're doing, all right? That's the first, your core calling is to God. The next core calling that, that would make up this kind of, this little sphere here, is your spirit-filled self, okay? So, so, so the new man or the new woman, right? It, Jesus talks about how when, you, when, when he comes into your heart, when the spirit of God comes upon you, you're a new creation. The old you has, has died, has been crucified with Christ. And that's why we get baptized because it symbolizes this being raised to life as a new creation, a new man, a new woman with new heavenly desires, not fleshly desires, Desires to please and obey God, not to get something from him, but because he's given himself to you, you just want to please him. New man, new woman, not the flesh. So when I say you're called to your spirit-filled self, I'm not saying you're called to your fleshly desires. It's not like an excuse to gratify the flesh, the desires of our sinful flesh, right? Because Jesus says, right? He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Your own health and your own well-being. The, the perfect picture of this one, and I, I want to be careful here because we're not getting into like crazy, like me exaltation, like the cult of self. We're not getting into that, okay? We're talking about the reality of like, if you've ever flown on an airplane, before you take off, they say, hey, in the case of an emergency, oxygen masks are going to fall from the ceiling. Whatever you do, don't try to help someone else with theirs first. You need to put yours on first, because if you pass out, you're not going to be any help to the person next to you trying to get your, their oxygen mask on them. You with me? That's what we're talking about. You're called to your, 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 your own wellness, your own health. You're tracking with me. Okay, I don't want to go too far down that road. Another element for some of us in the room, not everybody, but another element for your core calling, for some, not all, is if you're married, your spouse. You're called to your spouse, a core calling. Okay, if you're a parent, you're called to your children, a core calling. Okay, this can also include like close biological family, right? So your mom and your dad, if you're, if you're uh, in here and you live with mom and dad, your mom and your dad, your brother and your sister, et cetera, et cetera, okay? There's some variance there. There's some kind of variables there and some gray area there, but I wanna include that because I think it's important. All right, the next kind of area, the next sphere, the next ring says what? It says church family. These are the people and the pastors you follow Jesus with. Very simple, right? Your brothers and sisters in the family of God. The next ring, the next sphere there is what's known as third spaces, okay? 
Third spaces are basically environments that you frequent often. Okay, so this would be like, um, let me say this. It's more so than just the place, right? Because what we're talking about here is that it's people before place. We're called to people before place. So these are essentially people that you regularly come into contact with. Okay, so this would be like coworkers. This would be classmates at school for some of you students in the room. This would be friends and neighbors, right? People you live by. If you're part of youth sports, this would be like your teammates and the coaches, other parents, people you work out with. You get the idea. People that you regularly come in contact with. You guys know what your third spaces are. Who are your third spaces? Notice I didn't say what. Who? Who are the people that make up those environments in your life? All right, and then the final, the final ring is what we, what we refer to as the outer ring. That's everything else. If it doesn't fall into a core calling, if it doesn't fall into church family, if it doesn't fall into third spaces, it's in the outer ring, okay? So hear me. In a sense, this isn't comprehensive, but I think it's really helpful. In a sense, this diagram is an illustration of your calling, and more specifically, who you're called to. to. To to care for, to love, to serve the same way Jesus did for you. We love because he first loved us. We serve because he served us. We care because he cares for us. The gospel, Jesus, isn't just our message. It's what motivates us. It's not just our message, it's our motivation, okay? So I want you to, I want you to recognize too that, that your area of ministry, it's made up of people, right? That's what it's about. This includes both Christians and not yet Christians. And listen, I don't want you to just think adults, friends. We hammered this last week. God's gonna do mighty things for these kids. So I don't want you to just think that, yes, this includes Christians and non-Christians, but it's just adults. No, it includes children too that make that are, we can't assume that all the kids are Christians. We can't, it's, not, it's irresponsible. Okay? <clears throat> Children and youth are a huge part of all of our callings. I'm going to say that again. Children and youth are a huge part of all of our callings. Uh, I want to share something with you that a mentor shared with me years ago. Oh, it's all good, Char. It's all good, girl. <laughs> so I'm going to share something with you that a mentor shared with me that was massive for me. Okay? He said this. He said, if you want to be successful in life, does anybody here want to be successful in life? There's only three of you. Dang. All of you guys want to fail in life? Oh, I'm so sorry. Wake up. I know it's Labor Day weekend. Wake up. Stay with me. He said, if you want to be successful in life, he said, build your life. Here, keep that up there for me. He said, if you want to be successful in life, build your life around prioritizing these callings from the inside out. Devote yourself to your core callings, Tom. He's like, devote yourself to God. Devote yourself to your, your health. Devote yourself to your marriage. Devote yourself to your family. And he goes, and then devote yourself to your church family. And then give yourself generously to your third spaces. But, and he said this, he goes, but beware of the outer ring. Beware of the outer ring. 
You see, when we reach outside of the primary area of ministry that God has called us to, we can, as Paul said, overextend ourselves. Not my words, Paul's. He's smarter than me. He's definitely holier than me. We can overextend ourselves. And when we overextend ourselves, not only can it be dangerous for our own health, but the primary rings that we're called to suffer as a result. I think we've all been on the receiving end of this and probably done it ourselves. The classic saying is this, if Satan can't keep you, or if, sorry, if Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. You heard that before? Busy is just another word for overextended. Um, this week, Ebony and I spent uh, two or three days with about 100 pastors from all over North America. Wonderful group of people, really just kind of trying to seek the Lord in some unique ways and trying to uh, talk through this idea of what does it look like for us to like, I don't know, be in ministry for the long haul and not burn out or not like fall morally. There's so many church leaders and pastors that fall morally, that, that burn out, that there's podcast after podcast after podcast after podcast with these scandalous stories of, I believe, people who started with good intentions and then got off the rails somehow. And so one of the things that came up in this time was people were just being kind of transparent and open, like, what's the last year been, for you, been like for you? What has been some struggles for you? Kind of, and these are all lead pastors. And literally there was a theme that practically everybody uh, referenced. And it was this idea that, that we kind of felt like we needed to be an expert on everything the last 18 months. Like we need to be an expert as a pastor. I need to be an expert on infectious disease. Like, I need to be an expert on the transmission of viruses. I need to be an expert on vaccines. I need to be an expert on race relations in America. I need to be an expert on constitutional law. Also, like, the Bible and Christianity and contextualized, you know, discipleship all over the world. Like, it was just this, like, we all kind of just had a moment of being honest. Of like, dude, it's been hard the last 18 months because we felt, whether directly or indirectly or appropriately or not, we felt this unique pressure to have not just an answer, but the right answer when it came to all of these very sensitive topics, very real examples of brokenness. And it was really tough. A common theme for all of us in the room was this idea of being overextended. And the pressure to be an expert on all the things so many pastors, friends of mine, overextended themselves. I did this too. Overextended themselves beyond their area of ministry. And guess who suffers? Not just the pastor. The people they're called to. That's an example from my world. But listen, the same is true in your world. You, had, you, you experienced unique suffering, pain, affliction the last 18 months. Friends, God created every single one of us with limits. Hear me say that. He created every single one of us with limits. We're human. We're human. God created us with limits for several reasons, friends. And maybe the most important is that our limits force us to depend on God and to depend on others. And what that does is it guards us from pride, which will destroy our soul. So you might be thinking like, what about all the needs and all the people outside of our, my area of ministry, your area of ministry? 
God has this funny habit. He has this funny habit of sending people all the time. This church exists because he has a habit of sending people. Every church on the planet exists because he has the habit of sending people. It's a beautiful thing. So whether it's to plant a church or you're being sent to a new job or a new school, he calls all of us to people. And as Jesus says, we just read it, therefore Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest, to what? To send out workers into his harvest. All over the place. God did not create us to live an overextended life, friends. He did not create you to live an overextended life. He created you to live a passionate life, a devoted life, a life of being fully poured out and a life of fully receiving his, his, his motivating, glorious love for you, but not an overextended life. As though somehow, like, I'm Jesus, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Savior. Um, one more kind of thing for you that I think is maybe can be helpful here. How are we doing on time? Okay. Um, you guys are familiar with all the stuff that's happened in Afghanistan? Like, it just wrecked me. Like, I saw the videos of the people jumping on the planes. Do you see this? Uh, I know there's kids in the room, so I'm going to kind of uh, keep it PG. But people planes are already full and they're grabbing hold of landing gear as it's taking off because they, they want to get out of there so bad. Just devastating things. All the, you guys know all the stuff. I don't need to get into it. Just like, oh, it just weighed so heavily on me. And what it did was it depleted my, me emotionally. I haven't shared this with you, Jay. My good friend Jason him and his family have experienced significant suffering the last 18 months. But the moment I was, like that, the, the day that I was kind of really like getting my head around what was happening in Afghanistan was a day that they were significantly in need. They had traumatic suffering happen in their life of their family. And I realized because I had investigated stuff in the outer ring, not that it's not important, it's really important stuff, but I had, I had given myself to things in the outer ring, I recognized I'm not as emotionally able to care for my brother and my sister in the ways that I would want to or that God would call me to because they're, they are part of my core calling. They are part of my area of ministry. And I'm part of theirs. Are you tracking with me, this idea? Not bad things. Things worth caring about. Afghanistan's man, grieves the heart of God. But if we aren't careful we can quickly overextend ourselves. And when we overextend ourselves, the primary rings suffer. That includes us as individuals too. So hear me. If you want to be successful in living out your calling, just beware of the outer ring. I'm not telling you to eliminate everything. I'm telling you to beware of the outer ring. Are you with me? All right. One more thing. There are times when God will grow our capacity, absolutely, and call us to new things by sending us, absolutely, but never at the neglect of our primary rings. All right. Friends, all Christians are ministers. All Christians are ministers. All Christians have a specific area of ministry that God has called them to. So we're going we're gonna to play a little silly game that I used to hate when preachers would do this, and they're like, ah, oh, whatever. I want you to repeat after me, I am a minister. I am a minister. 
Don't say it unless you believe it, okay? The truth is, every single Christian is a minister. God himself has called you. The most important, the most powerful, the most incredible being ever knows you, loves you, and has called you. You are a minister of what? Let's talk about it. A few chapters before what we just read, you know, Paul talks about his area of ministry, his sphere of ministry, not to overextend, right? A few chapters before Paul talks about not overextending himself beyond the area of ministry God has called him to, in chapter 10, right? He explains what the ministry actually is, not just for him, but for you and for me. Let's check it out really quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 this time, verses 17 through 21. I'm going to read this. Follow along with me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Remember the new man, the new woman. He's a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. I love that there's an exclamation point after that. Verse 18, everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given, given us the ministry of Reconciliation. Absolutely. Verse 19, that is, the ministry of reconciliation, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed, I love this, he has committed the message of reconciliation, the gospel, to who? To us, baby. Verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And then Paul gives a beautiful one verse explanation of the gospel. He, God, made the one who did not know sin, Jesus, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God, in grace and in love, has reconciled us to himself through Jesus and he is reconciling the rest of the world through who? Through us. Are you getting this picture? All Christians are ministers of what? Reconciliation. I'm going to say that again. All Christians are ministers of reconciliation. You were brought into God's holy cabinet. And I don't mean a cabinet for cups. I mean a cabinet for the government of the kingdom of God as ministers of reconciliation. Man, I wish you would talk to me and say amen and just shout for joy. You have any idea how important your calling is? Come at me, D. Come on, man. Like, just, friends, just like Paul and Timothy, there's an area, a sphere of ministry that God has called you to. So when we speak of being ready for who? We're referring to the people. Fill those spheres up again for me. That next, yeah. We're referring to people within these spheres. Okay? And specifically for us in this season as a church, we're talking about these Joseph of Arimathea opportunities to care for the body of Christ. And these, these harvesting opportunities that are happening outside of the body of Christ from within your unique area of ministry. Are you tracking with this? Okay, go ahead and throw that, that next slide up there for me. Thanks, Marshall. You're working your tail off, man. Well done, well done. Okay, so this is a picture of the ministry of reconciliation. 
This is a picture. I want you to look at it for a second. Let's, let's kind of break it down. I'm almost done, guys. So first you have the church. Okay, these are people in Christ. This is not like a branding thing. That's this church and that church. No, these are people who literally are blood-bought sons and daughters. It's beautiful. These are the, the people who God has reconciled to himself and now they are in Christ because of the grace of Jesus. Guys, I deserve nothing. Like, I, I deserve punishment. I shouldn't say I deserve nothing. I deserve, like, damnation. <laughs> I, deserve, I deserve God to go, oh, man, I really wish you wouldn't have done that, but you made your own bed. Like, you're, I wish you would have chosen to worship me instead of worshiping idols and hurting people and rejecting me. And Your will be done, Tom. That's what I deserve, which results in, you know, eternal judgment. But God in his grace, man, he came after me. He reconciled me to himself at great cost to himself. That's my story. That's every story, uh, every one of you that are in Christ. That's your story too. People who have been reconciled to God, they're in Christ now. They've received radical love and care from Jesus and now they radically love and care for each other in the same way. That's the church. And we talked about this last week. I think I referenced it. You guys do this so well. The ways that you care for each other is radical. The ways that you love each other, it doesn't happen everywhere. It's incredible. It's evidence of the move. It's evidence that God is moving. It's fruit of the spirit. It's awesome. That's the church. Okay? Last week, we talked about how all of us are in need, especially after the 18 months, last 18 months. All of us are in need and all of us are needed because all of you have a calling. I don't know if you know this, but go back to the area of ministry one. There are Christians and non-Christians that make up these, this area of ministry for you in these different spheres. You know what's beautiful too? You know the love of God? You, in this room, this is your area of ministry, and other people in this room, you are in their area of ministry. All of us are in need. All of us are needed. Joseph of Arimathea, opportunities to care for the body of Christ in times of need. Go back to the other one for me, bro. Okay, the next thing, the field. This is like what Jesus talks about, right? Send workers into the field. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. It's referring to the abundant harvest, okay? These are people that Jesus is referencing from our passage in, in Matthew 19, or Matthew 9. These are people that are currently outside of God's flock, they're not yet reconciled. They're, they're, they're sheep without a shepherd that Jesus sees with compassion, right? They don't have a meaningful connection to Jesus or his church. But like I said, he sees them with compassion. It's who he is. Abounding in steadfast love. He sees them in their suffering and in their affliction, right? Because the last 18 months, man, totally traumatic, Suffering, it's plowed the soil of every human heart. Hearts are ready for the good news, baby. They just are. They need it. There's, so, there's like, what else is there left for us to like fight about? <laughs> what, what, there's so much brokenness in the world and now it's hitting home for every human. So this idea of harvest, it's the, it's the picture we talked about. This is the picture of spiritual rescue. People gathered into the joy of salvation in Christ, being in Christ, the joy of salvation instead of the devastation of eternal judgment. Because so hear me, as we, as the church, as we just simply 
as we live in Christ, as we enjoy the benefits of his rule and reign, his way, as, as we live in Christ, we invite others to receive that same love and care that we receive first and foremost from Jesus and that we extend to each other. It says invitation, right, with the blue arrow. We just invite people who aren't experiencing that to experience that. As we minister to each other with the gospel, right, we are reconciled to God. We're reinforcing that and we're reconciled to each other. When conflict comes in, the gospel has a lot to say about that and we can be reconciled to each other over and over and over again. It's beautiful. It's impenetrable. You see how, how like, that's like a fort. You can't penetrate that. If the gospel's the center, those people are, dude, that, there's nothing stronger. And the result is experiencing the joy of salvation, right? Of being reconciled to God and reconciled to each other. This is not, hear me, this is not about recruiting people. <laughs> this is not about growing an organization. Hear me, it's not about bringing them to Christ. It's about bringing Christ to them. He's the one. He's the one. He beckons them to himself. He just invites us to participate. We don't bring them to Christ. We bring Christ to them. And in the process, they encounter him. And it, hear me, if you see Jesus for who he is, you're done. There's no more glorious. There's no more beautiful there's no one more loving. There's no one more strong. There's no one more powerful. And when that love and that beauty and that glory and that power sets his affection on you, you're done. That's the goal. Bringing Christ to them, to the Christian and to the not yet Christian. This includes discipleships for Christians too. Discipleships for non-Christians too. We bring the gospel. We bring the good news of Jesus. We bring Christ to people in need inside the church and outside the church. And did you know that both areas, or I should say both environments, they have something in common. There's significant need. All of us are in need, all of us are needed. In the church and in the field. So friends, hear me. God has called each of us to a specific area of ministry to specific and unique rings that are made up of priceless people made in his image, just like you. And those areas, those areas of ministry, they include both Christians and non-Christians, both those in the church and those in the field. So as you think about this, I don't want you to think about like, you can't, you can't separate this. You can't just have like the holy huddle church thing or the like exclude the church thing and just go fish for the lost. It's like trying to pedal a bike with one pedal. You gotta have both. For us to be a healthy community of people, for us to be a healthy community of Christians who are living out their calling, it takes both. Because guess what? Your area of ministry includes Christians and non-Christians. You with me? All right. I'll call the band up. And the ministry team up, if the ministry team, if you guys can make your way to the side too, that'd be great. I'm going to close with this after I take a drink of water. You guys still with me? You okay? All right. Do you have any idea how privileged you are? I think we take this for granted, man. The God of the universe. Dude, study the universe. It's real big. 
the one who spoke it into existence, the one who created every single one of us in the room. Like, do you realize how much privilege you have? What an incredible honor that God would call you and me in the specific way that he has. Goodness to specific people. I'm talking about your unique area of ministry. You. And like we talked about before, and that he's called others to you. You fall in their area of ministry. What an honor that he includes you in his work of redemption to minister to others. And he also includes you in their work of ministry to you. You get the picture? An interdependent family that literally saturates the world through love and grace and mercy and kindness. It starts small. Dare I say it starts locally. That little sphere, just your people. I'm not talking about Afghanistan. Afghanistan's important. God's going to send people to Afghanistan. Don't you worry. But as, as we live in our, in our area of ministry with intentionality, the kingdom of God comes in power and in glory. And not in such a way that people go, oh man, restored Temecula is so awesome. But in a way where they go, Oh, Jesus is so awesome. All of us are in need, and all of us are needed. So listen, we talk about being ready for who, right? Being ready is about living intentionally where God has placed you. Simple. Living intentionally where God has placed you. It's about living intentionally with the people he has called you to. So if you're in a season, like me when I was a teenager, going like, what's my calling? If you're uncertain, if you want to know who you're called to in this season of your life, look around. They're nearby. The church and the field. It's who you're called to, the church and the field. The Christians and the not yet Christians already in your life. And friends, hear me. I'm convinced that if we're ready for the opportunities when they come, we're going to radically experience two things. We're going to radically, radically experience healing in the church and harvest in the field. Healing in the body of Christ. Resurrection life. The new man, the new woman, the you God created you to be harvest in the field who then experienced that in the church so I'll end with the same question that we asked ourselves last week will we be ready with the gospel when the opportunities come they're coming will we be ready with the gospel when the opportunities come let me pray for us Spirit, I just want to invite you now to speak to every heart in the room, myself included. We listen, we wait on you.
Spirit, I ask you to highlight specific people in our area of ministry right now. Would you bring names? Would you bring faces to mind right now? As you do so often, I feel like you are highlighting children. I think that's a big part of it. But I also feel like it's more than that. It's not, it's not only children, there's more. So would you highlight specific names, specific faces? I feel like some of you are having trouble because you're the one in need. You're having a hard time even just identifying anybody else because you're in need. If that's you this morning, you need to receive prayer. God has something for you. He wants to bless you, heal you, love on you. And Jesus, we just wanna, we just wanna acknowledge that you are the hero here. You're the point. From you and through you and to you are all things. Like you modeled this for us. You intentionally lived out your calling in a tiny little region in the Middle East. And it changed the whole world. <laughs> the message of the power of your gospels made it its way even to us 2,000 years later. It's bonkers. You know exactly what you're doing. So God, humbly, honestly, I ask you, like, would you help us? Would we be ready with the gospel? Would we be people who are ready with the gospel? When the opportunities come, and would that result in healing inside of the church and harvest in the field? Jesus, we love you. We need you. Thank you for including us. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for journeying with us. Thank you for never forsaking us, never abandoning us, always loving. It's who you are. You are love. You don't stop doing it. Help us to be people who don't stop receiving it. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Friends, I love you very much. I'm going to ask you to stand if you're able. You can stretch out a bit. We're going to respond to God, who he is, to what he's done, to what he's inviting us into um, for probably the next, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes or so. You have freedom, okay? There's trusted men and women off to the side that have made themselves available to pray for you. If you have any need in your life, I don't care what it is, any need in your life, if there's any anxiety or fear, depression, or you desire healing in any area of your life, emotional, physical, mental, whatever it is, these people are available to minister to you. They're, they're inviting you into their, their area, their sphere of ministry. Take advantage of that. You can go at any time and do that. The band's going to lead us in a time of responding to God in praise because he's really worthy. I don't know if you know that. He's totally worthy of all of our praise, of all of our affection, of all of our devotion. And he loves when we meet him in that space. He loves being intimate with his people. So that's what we're going to do.
next little while, okay? And then Herrick's gonna come up and pastor us and close us. Love you guys very much.